and welcome to Dairy Dialogue 34, the weekly podcast, or almost always weekly, on the dairy industry, brought to you by Dairy Reporter. I'm Jim Cornell, editor of Dairy Reporter, and all I can say is thankfully our US correspondent Beth Newhart did three of today's four interviews as I was in Barcelona at the Free From Expo and arrived home just after one o'clock in the morning after having left a hot and sunny city with a population of just under 2 million, and now I'm back in a chilly and wet village of less than a 1,000. Barcelona is definitely wonderful, actually the whole region is, and the Free From Expo is extremely well laid out and very impressive in terms of content. I'll have some interviews from the event and a bit more on the event on next week's programme, and I'm not going to name names, but one company I would have liked to have interviewed obviously didn't want to be interviewed and didn't want to do any business there because all the time that I saw them as I walked around, the three or four staff at the booth were sitting, often with their backs to potential customers, looking at their phones or their tablets. It's something I've noticed a lot in the past few years. Sometimes it's It's really hard to make eye contact with people because they're looking at their phones instead of interacting. I'm sure if you go to events it's something many of you will also have noticed. Something I was very impressed with, however, and it doesn't take much to impress me obviously, was the number of rubbish bins or garbage cans at almost every aisle intersection, which is especially useful if it's a show like this one with lots of samples. At one event last year there were absolutely none to be found and people were leaving empty drink cups and tiny plates everywhere. By mistake I even managed to drop one into somebody's bag thinking it was an abandoned one. The guy was quite upset with me. Anyway, as we have four interviews to get through, I'll try not to talk too much, although I did want to point out June, which starts tomorrow, is Dairy Month. In the US, June the 4th is National Cheese Day, which also happens to be the same day as Hug Your Cat Day. So maybe you can get two for one covered by hugging your cat and giving it cheese at the same time. And if you don't have a cat, maybe just hug the neighbor's cat, but not necessarily give them any cheese. The 7th is National Chocolate Ice Cream Day. Another good excuse to be able to say, sorry, I had to eat the entire tub because I just had to celebrate Chocolate Ice Cream Day. There are some other odd days in June, such as the much-overlooked Ballpoint Pen Day on the 10th and Sewing Machine Day on the 13th. International Picnic Day is on the 8th. And if you forget, that's actually good because it's also National Panic Day. We head back to Dairy on the 20th for Ice Cream Soda Day. And of course, on the ice cream theme, every seventh day is a Sunday. I'm sorry about that one. The 21st is National Selfie Day, as if people need another excuse to purse their lips and swish their hair while staring at the phone and blocking traffic. Maybe I'm just jealous because I have no hair. Anyway, there are lots more weird ones if you want to check them all out, and so we'll just get on with the program. On the show this week are Jim Lees, VP of Ingredient Sales at NZMP Americas, talking about the launch of two new probiotic ingredients. Veronique Lagrange, Director of Strategic Development at ADPI. Anna Xu, Marketing Director, Asia-Pacific, and Edmund Chan, Innovations Project Manager, Dairy Applications, Asia-Pacific, at Ingredian, about their virtual labs being extended, and Kyle Thomas, Thought Leader at Eagle Product Inspection, about their new product for the dairy industry. And we have a weekly look at the global dairy markets with Liam Fenton from INTL FC Stone. 
And so, first up this week, we hear from Jim Lees, VP of Ingredient Sales at NZMP, who talked to Beth Newhart about two new probiotic ingredients for the U.S. sports and active lifestyle market. Yeah, the transition's been in the works really since the, about Q3, Q4 last year. Um, we've been making these um, probiotic ingredients, uh, extracting from um, fermentation technology, is being applied to extract it from, uh, from dairy cultures. Uh, and we've been making them for probably 15 or 20 years and selling them predominantly into the pediatric space. But as public awareness around gut health and immunity has kind of grown over the last, I would say, five to eight years, we've seen demand not only in the supplements industry, but in the general health and wellness industry grow considerably. So if we looked at the kind of total probiotic market, it's probably around about 2.8 to 3 billion and in its supplement form, probably about 2.2 of that, with again about 194 million uh, valuation in the um, in the USA alone. So it's quite a quite a healthy market with a double-digit growth that's uh, that's attracted our attention. And the probiotics also sit very nicely alongside our existing portfolio for health and wellness and sports and active lifestyles. So with the, the whey proteins, the milk proteins, and the other more esoteric uh, ingredients that, that we offer into sports and active lifestyle, they, they just complement them uh, very nicely. So is this kind of like a repackaging? You said that it, it's been sold to pediatric in the past. So is this has this been altered in any way, or is this just the same um, ingredient that's been sold to pediatric? It's a, it's a similar ingredient. There are different requirements from pediatrics in terms of specifications, in terms of purity specifications, but it is, they're effectively the same two unique probiotic strains, which is the, uh, the, the Lacto-B001 and the Bifido-B019. Effectively, exactly the, same, uh, exactly the same products, but with some uh, different specifications to fit, with the, um, to fit with the needs of the customers. And what are the best applications for the ingredients for um, the probiotic market? I would say the ready-to-mix powders would be seem to be the dominant format for consuming pro- uh, protein products in sports nutrition and active lifestyle at the moment. Those powders have grown enormously in the last 10 years. If you would have looked on the shelf in uh, Costco or Walmart 10 years ago, you may have seen two or three protein products and now you see, you know, the, the whole half aisle of uh, protein products, everything from RTM powders to protein bars and gels and all sorts of other um, delivery formats for, for protein now. So we think the RTM powders probably the area which is going to attract the, um, um, the greatest interest. And who would you say these are for, the casual active user or the intense athlete? I would, I would say it's more general sports and active lifestyle, health and wellness. Is, is the consumer for this. I mean, you're quite right within sports nutrition. We would usually segment the market into hardcore athletes and bodybuilders, people who are just trying to stay in shape, like myself, you know, uh, people getting a little bit older and trying to, uh, trying to stay in good health. And then you've got kind of a, a third dynamic, which is mom buying protein powders with other functional ingredients for a high school son or a high school daughter who's trying out for one of the sports teams and wants to wants to get stronger. So I, th- I think this, this, the probiotic target market will be the, the middle one. You know, again, probably people, uh, Gen Xers, baby boomers, who are looking to live a health, healthier lifestyle, live a longer, healthier existence. Our, our main focus is the North American market, which is by far the largest market 
or the delivery formats, like I mentioned before, like the RTMs or the supplements or the uh, or the uh, uh, capsules. So yeah, the US is by far the biggest market, uh, most rapidly growing market, and very interesting for us. Do you think it is like a sustainable trend in the Americas? Do you think it's going to kind of catch on in other other places and other markets for you guys? I, I think it really is. I think I think we you, we're even seeing now uh, general physicians recommending to patients to take probiotic supplements, for example, when they're given antibiotics to aid with the the, the recovery of the microflora in the gut. I th- and I think just generally, if you look, just look at commercials on television for immune-enhancing products, you know, uh, digestion control products, I, I think the consumer is being presented with good factual information based on the value of probiotics every day. And we're seeing that in the numbers in the, in the growth in consumption in the category. So the delivery formats for these probiotics, which are shelf-stable, uh, long-lasting, is uh, you know, quite something, really. Yeah, the, the really interesting one for me, which suggests that the industry is going, go, go, looking at children as potential consumers as well, was the, was the gummy bears and the gummy worms. There seem to be lots of companies with probiotic fortified gummies or probiotic fortified candies. So it, it seems sustainable to me. It seems like it's going to keep going. So would you say that NZMP is probably going to continue innovating within the sports and active lifestyle market and you know, continue down this path with probiotics? Well, I think it's, it's no secret uh, that recently our, our new CEO, Miles Herrell, uh, in one of his press releases, uh, made the statement that Fonterra was looking to invest more in value going forward and focus on higher returning ingredients. And certainly uh, within the probiotic and sports and active lifestyle markets, there are opportunities for Fonterra to grow. You know, we've seen other companies grow in that particular space. And we st- we, uh, with the market still growing at high single digit, low double digits, depending on the delivery formats, we do see opportunities to grow our position uh, very strongly in sports and active lifestyle, and particularly in the United States. What else are you showcasing at IFT this year? What should people be looking out for? Well, people would be looking out for a range of fortified food products, both with whey protein. So one of our flagstone products out of New Zealand, uh, uh, whey protein concentrate, whey protein isolates, uh, all coming with New Zealand provenance. So the lovely story about the cows are 355 days of the year roaming in the fields. They're not locked up in barns. So it's a nice uh, animal welfare story. We take care of our animals very well. We have very high quality milk and therefore very high quality milk-based ingredients like the whey proteins, the milk proteins. We'll be showing a number of, a, a number of product concepts from uh, fortified beverages to cookies and other products. So um, it's going to be a very exciting show for us. We're really looking forward to it. It's really interesting now we're seeing protein in things like potato chips. We're seeing protein in popcorn, protein in herbs and spices. It seems to be, it seems to be no limit really to the, the delivery formats that companies are coming up with just to get more protein in our diets. It's, uh, protein's been hot for about the last 10 years, but it just doesn't seem to cool down. Next, it's to the American Dairy Products Institute to chat with Véronique Lagrange, who is the Director of Strategic Development, about trends in dairy ingredients, where the protein market might be headed, and ADPI's new consumer messaging initiative, The Strong Inside. First, Beth asked about the partnership with the American Butter Institute. We partner with them because milk fat are also an ingredient, mm-hmm. right? I mean, butter is used as an ingredient, of course, yeah. not just a consumer product. 
a large portion uh, of butter production, fat production actually goes into food product, manufactured food product. Uh, so it's made sense to partner with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and um, I think we also see growing interest in some portions of the milk fat, like the phospholipids in milk fat um, that are used in infant formula, are used in maternal formula, in a lot of new products. Uh, so definitely, you know, it's important to keep milk fat as part of the yeah. equation. It's not just protein. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm a protein person, I love it. But <laughs> carbohydrates are important, but milk fat are, are critical too. Yeah. Uh, very unique milk fat in dairy. So we have that Dairy Protein Messaging Initiative mm-hmm. uh, project. So this is uh, backed by 52 companies now and uh, trade publications, Dairy Food, Cheese Market News, Dairy uh, Yeah, I mean, um, and as well as the trading companies, I mean, uh, okay. and all the major support suppliers are there. Yeah. So, so this is the first ever that ADPI engages into communication and marketing activities. Until now we've been very, very focused on product standards and uh, you know, networking events, setting the stage for uh, business to business and now we're at the request of the members of course engaging into communications to consumers. Uh, this is of course reactive to the growth of plant protein, mm. right? Uh, but also because people understand there's been a void, there's been no campaign, no communication, and as a result, our consumer, our protein consumer is not informed. Mm. And uh, there's a lot of mis- misconception, misunderstandings, and we seek to provide them with some information. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, we'll be launching that uh, that Strong Inside uh, oh, okay. campaign. Okay. <laughs> There'll be a video concept video showed by the agency. Mm-hmm. How do you think that that will change ADPI? I mean, if you've never done any kind of like messaging campaign before, um, what will it be like to kind of bring the consumers in for the first time? That's a good question. Um, I think the industry, again, this is really in the, driven by the members. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we're ready for that. Yeah. We've uh, added, you know, staff and expertise. Uh, and uh, you've heard ADPI is by the members of the members, so we have an active task force, about 50 people, um, 50 yeah, representatives who are working on this task force. So clearly it's a big part of our, of our day now. So uh, we still do everything else we were doing, but it's an expansion, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. It's not at the expense of existing programs. Right. Um, and you said that was kind of driven by uh, the threat of plant protein. So um, is that kind of impacting any other decisions you guys are making, or how are you kind of responding to this huge shift? Yeah, well, we see that you know product introduction with milk or whey protein have continued to rise. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we, the incremental, we have not captured more as much as we could have of the incremental demand for protein. Mm-hmm. 68% of Americans want to eat more protein, right? And um, a, a, a portion of them are going to this alternative protein. Uh, so we just hope we can uh, inform some of this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we focus really on millennials, Gen Z consumers. A, a common theme yesterday, I think, was um, President Trump threatened more tariffs on China, and that you know that just happened. And so I think several people mentioned that while they were speaking yesterday. Um, so I guess does ADPI have an official stance on his threats of a, you know continuing the trade war when so many people thought that it might be slowing down and 
it's obviously impacting the dairy industry in a big of way. Of course, and there's been a lot of questions about yeah. this, uh, um, <coughs> as you as you have heard. Um, again, our, our members are talking about it. Uh, ADPI does not do any trade policy work. Uh, we certainly help inform our members if uh, there's an opportunity to or need to do so. Uh, all we can do is provide, you know, information on long-term trend and demand. So what do you think is uh, on the horizon for dairy? Coming down the pipeline, is there anything else going to be big within the protein space or any changes with that? Yeah, well, within the protein space, definitely we, we see continued market expansion, uh, particularly in Asia, Southeast Asia, some new segments developing. We're talking like maternal nutrition, products that are designed for pregnant and lactating when mothers. Those are some segments that don't even exist here, but are booming uh, and will drive a lot of demand. Uh, so we have to look overseas for some of that uh, innovation. On the protein side, we will see continued demand here. Uh, we have to focus on vulnerable groups, right? Uh, seniors, medical nutrition, on, on children. Sports nutrition continues to boom. Uh, it's more advanced here in the US, but Europe is just starting and Asia is just starting as well. So there will be continued demand. We've done a lot of research to show that you know, uh, whey proteins can help you recover faster, better, and so forth. So we we have a lot of, of science, which is um, certainly available to help support the growth. Um, so in terms of the big drivers, right, we, we see nothing but positive news. You know, I mean, you need to, of course, continue to innovate and you can't take anything for granted. And we always, uh, we can convince ourselves we're the best, but we need to talk to consumers. Now over to Asia, where Ingredient has extended its 24-7 virtual lab inside Idea Labs in the Asia-Pacific region for dairy product formulation for food and beverage manufacturers. We spoke with Anna Zhu, Marketing Director, Asia-Pacific, and Edmund Chan, Innovations Projects Manager, Dairy Applications, Asia-Pacific, about the move. Uh, we all see the world becoming more digital. The way customers find our solutions is different when everyone needs online, on device and computers. Today, business-to-business buyers um, like our customers are searching online and forming opinions about us known before they engage with us by phone or face-to-face. And you can see why we have to be online, bringing them the consumer insights, applied research, application know-how, and process technology of Ingredient Idea Labs Innovation Centers. The virtual lab provides both market trends and technical expert insights to help customers come up with ideas, formulate products, tweak and perfect their formulations to meet their goals, and then scale up for commercial production. Visitors can use the interactive online portal on their phones, tablets, and desktops any time. So why Ingredient is expanding the virtual lab to dairy, broadly speaking, um, let me start from sharing the five key trends we see in the dairy segment in Asia Pacific. The first being indulgence through texture, flavors, and the overall eating experience, be it bubble tea boom or cheese flavored yogurt. Second, sugar reduction in dairy. This trend is currently top of mind for both customers and consumers alike. 
Third is convenience and accessibility of the area. This also relates well to the brew in food service in the region, as well as innovations around shelf life extension and management. Then, sustainability and plant proteins. Consumers are looking for dairy alternatives in plant-based products and also looking to increase the types or quantities of proteins they consume. And last but not the least, clean and simple dairy. While test is key, consumers want to also see shorter and more recognizable ingredient labels as well as products with front-to-pack claim related to no additives or natural and dairy is under the forefront of this trend. With this trend coming, come um, formulation challenges. So to better serve customers, the virtual dairy lab holding um, key market opportunities in Asia-Pacific. There is an anti-focus on cheese, yogurt, dairy beverages, and creamers, such as sweetened condensed creamers and non-dairy creamers. So I would like to head over to my um, colleague, dairy innovation expert Edmund, to speak about how the Dairy Inside Idea Lab addresses manufacturing needs across the dairy trends and subsegments. So in order to explain a customer experience with our Dairy Virtual Lab, let's take some examples. Let's take one of the trends, clean label for dairy. Let's say a dairy manufacturer wants to create an indulgence clean label yogurt. On ingredients, dairy, inside idea labs, they can find numerous resources that can support them on the journey from ideation all the way to a successful solution. For this, they can take a look at resources such as our clean label yogurt I2S brief located in the concept and ideas section. It provides ingredients proprietary consumer insights about the clean label space in the region and specifically about yogurt. They can also look at our proprietary sensory insights to know more about the various sensory preferences in the region. But we understand that formulating yogurts with clean label starches remain a challenge because of the harsh processing conditions encountered in manufacturing and the limited process tolerance of native starches. Using our breakthrough proprietary technology in functional native starch, we are able to develop a range of yogurts with clean label ingredients. For example, Novation range of functional native starches allow manufacturers to retain the viscosifying properties of the starch. Third yogurts process using high temperature, high pressure parameters and provide similar texturizing functionality as compared to chemically modified starches. The ability of Novation starches to remain fully functional over a wide range of processing parameters and maintain as stable a texture as the chemically modified benchmarks over typical refrigerated shelf life allows for a simpler, cleaner label to address consumer needs without sacrificing performance. Moving on to another segment in dairy. The growth in the processed and analog cheese markets in the Asia-Pacific region creates exciting opportunities for new cheese products to be developed. One of the challenges from the industry is finding the right balance between cost, quality, and appeal. Our team of dairy experts launched a comprehensive cheese toolbox 
which contains a wide range of texturizers designed specifically to help replace dairy-based dairy ingredients, optimize cost, and deliver the key textural and sensory attributes consumers expect from their cheese products. For example, Precisa 630S starch can be used to build back firmness and gratability when there's a reduction in expensive cheese curds. It is able to provide a low hot viscosity, which is desirable during the cheese manufacturing process. Another desired texture attribute in cheese is its melting property. For cheese to melt well, the presence of intact casings is crucial, as they are able to exhibit thermoreversible properties. As young cheese curds have more available intact casings, these are usually used for making processed cheese. To create a cheese, a cost-efficient formula to support melting in processed block melting cheese, our range of stabilizer systems can be used to partially replace the cheese curds. The stretch in cheese is also an important element for better eating experience. Hence, by maintaining the thick stretch without breaking, it further adds to consumer satisfaction while eating pizza, which is aligned with the super stretchy cheese modern trend. The use of precision 604 starch in analog and processed mozzarella cheese shows similar thickness in stretch as the control when the cheese is stretched after baking. The growth of food service segments also increases the popularity of creamers used in dairy beverages, such as coffee and tea. The ingredient is able to deliver good quality creamers with similar indulgence and yet optimize the cost for the manufacturers. For example, a quality non-dairy creamer, also known as NDC, requires one to balance the taste of coffee or tea and creamer without any oiling presence and be readily usable as a free-flowing powder. Ingredients, emulsion quality, and processing conditions are critical to achieving this target. Characterized by its excellent emulsion stabilizing and encapsulating ability, Ingredient offers National 780432 starch in NDC to partially replace sodium caseinate and end creamer range of starches for use in acid-stable NDC of pH below 4.6 as well as in acidified milk beverages to prevent precipitation. The specialty starches can impart good emulsion stability and improve the uniformity of oil droplets in the emulsion, thereby improving the criminous profile of the spray-dry NDC when used in the target applications. Flavors can be added if a stronger dairy profile is desired. Our range of products can suit most of the dairy customers' needs for new product development or extension of current product line. How does the 24-7 aspect of this work and how quickly are you able to respond to your own customers? Um, so actually, um, our virtual lab since its launch day has been well received by our customers. And when we talk about this 24-7 uh, concept, it's more about providing all the information that our customer needs online. So um, if you visit our Inside Idea Labs, you will find very practical information through clickable hotspots that open up to show what you can read, watch, and download. 
and our experts contributed content and technology delivers it quickly and easily. So um, it also allows our customers and prospects can navigate through hotspots or a conventional menu to get um, the uh, information they need. So somebody would go online and do all of this and then contact you through the website? Yes. Um, if they contact um, us through the website, the inquiries will pass on to our team for following up. And, and you can work with companies right from the very initial idea all the way through to a product launch? We provide the information from um, market insights to um, formulations, um, tips to help them with the, um, you know, the, from a formulation to commercialization. How do you keep ahead of all of the trends? Because obviously the APAC region is, is huge. Yes, it's definitely important for the team to keep on top of the trends in the Asia-Pacific market. So with the years of expertise, including application expertise, in-house sensory and culinology capabilities, um, we have accumulated our understanding of the market and also the innovative solutions to help us to address the trends um, that we present in the marketplace. Now it's back to Beth doing the interview, and she spoke with Kyle Thomas, thought leader at Eagle Product Inspection, about the company's new X-ray inspection system, the PAC400HC. Really, the PAC400HC dairy obviously was designed for the dairy industry and mine, and really was uh, came forth uh, because of the need for not only the inspection of packaged product, but really the inspection of raw unpackaged product like, you know, large blocks of cheese and things like that. So really we started uh, with that with that need in mind. Also to be able to withstand the environment that it goes in. Obviously dairy is a is a an environment that requires a high level of hygiene. It also requires uh, regular and routine aggressive sanitation that the equipment must be suitable to withstand uh, on a daily basis and for many years of uh, normal operation. So it, it is a variant on PAC400HC line that we have had for a number of years that we've used in other industries. It really started off as a, as a need that was presented by the industry, something to have a hygienic uh, design required by the dairy industry, and still be survivable uh, in the environment and deliver the kind of inspection performance that they're looking for. So is there a limit to what it can identify? Well, there always is, and it really is all dependent on what we're inspecting. So how dense, you know, how large, how dense the, the material is we're inspecting, you know, the rate at which it's going through and so forth. Um, but we utilize a wide variety of inspection not only uh, hardware, but software in order to achieve the customer's results. So we have a pretty broad portfolio, both x-ray generator and detector combinations that allow us to use either higher power when we're trying to punch through a fairly dense object in order to get a good image, or a, a lower, more softer power setting uh, when we're going through thinner objects uh, and less dense, but still want the clarity coming on the detection array. And then you combine that with the, the kind of the wide variety of 
kind of the detection scheme itself that we have available in both single energy and dual energy offerings. Uh, and that allows you to kind of create the combination that is best suited for the customer and the product that they're, they're trying to inspect in order to get them the best possible results. So it's when you get into these applications, it is very much seeing exactly what the customer is trying to process and then really matching the inspection technology in terms of power, sensitivity, detection capability, single dual energy, the right combination in order to get the result that they're looking for. And then at the same time, wrapping around that is using uh, Simultask, which is our image processing and control software to really create the programs using the, the individual algorithms and operators in order to look for the foreign material or the defects that we're looking for within the object itself. So there is no one answer uh, because it is highly dependent to the application itself uh, and, and what we're looking for. So will it um, require many changes you know, for a dairy company to adopt this sort of technology? Well, I mean, the biggest thing is space, right? I mean, a lot of facilities are existing. There's, there's not a lot of greenfield new construction going on. So, so in many customers' uh, installations, there, it's an existing uh, production line that they're looking at uh, integration of the, of the machine of the 400 HC dairy into their line. So the biggest thing is finding the place where you want to do the inspection and then finding the space in order to insert the device into the line. The base, the basic unit is about 72 inches long or about six feet long. Depending on what you're inspecting, the reject mechanism and so forth can extend that, that length up to nine or 10 feet. So it is not necessarily trivial in terms of, of its space requirements. But on the other hand, when you look at queuing and things like that that are in a lot of our customers' lines, they're usually, they can usually find an existing straight, uh, straight track of existing conveyor that they can pull out and put this machine into. The other side of it is obviously their own internal processes. Anytime you put an inspection device like this into a new inspection technology or inspection device and into the mix, uh, you know, the customer really needs to relook obviously at their standard operating procedures, uh, particularly as they relate to their food safety program and their HACCP protocols. Uh, to make sure that that they are up to date, that they integrate this technology and this capability now into a revised program that actually makes their systems more robust. And along with that, going hand in hand, then the kind of the training within the organization, uh, whether it's operators, maintenance people, quality people, uh, and so forth, uh, inspectors, in, in order to make sure that they are comfortable with the new processes and the new devices and so forth so that uh, they bring their, their program up along with uh, the insertion of the new, new inspection capability. Is this technology something that you think you'll continue to upgrade uh, the software, the hardware? You know, does, is there room for, for growth with it? Oh, sure. So nothing is static, right? I mean, uh, our customers continue to change and evolve and we have to have to ride right along with them and and in a lot of cases, we need to be as, as best that we can one step ahead of them. So the platform itself, there's really two elements, two big elements. One is the physical, okay, the electromechanical side. So it's the conveyors and things like that. And, and those can be upgraded over time. Most of the time, that the impact on that is typically that the customer decides 
that they're going to produce a different type of product than what the original machine was designed for. And so that may be uh, require an upgrade in terms of maybe the reject mechanism or the conveyor system, things like that. On the other hand, you have the simultask, the image processing and control software, and that's something that is more of a, a migratory upgrade. We are continuing to add and improve uh, that suite of products on a continual basis. And so that is something that the customer can take advantage of irrespective of if their inspection routine uh, changes in terms of the product that they're, they're inspecting. So most of our customers will have us come in uh, on a routine basis. And, and on those occasions when we're in there uh, and we're doing uh, preventive maintenance on the machine, uh, we will uh, work with the customer to go ahead and upgrade their simultask program to the latest release so that they can now take advantage of any new uh, routines, operators, algorithms that have been added to the to the libraries and the portfolios. You know, that's something that we continue to work with our customers on a very regular basis to make sure that they are they are always up to the latest version. So, how cost effective is the system? You know, the smaller producers will they be able to attain it? Yeah, you know, there's there's two elements to this. One is the obvious you know, cost of either doing it or not doing it, which is the the food safety or the, you might say, brand security side, you know, the cost, weighing the cost of of what happens if I don't do, uh, deploy the technology and I, and I have an unfortunate event that occurs, right? But beyond that, with X-Ray and with, with the PAC-400HC, there are other things that you can, you can utilize the equipment for, the device for, to help with that payback. And, for example we do mass inspection. And so what that allows us to do is it's, it's fundamentally akin to uh, check weighing. As the company produces, the uh, customer produces a product, they can use the ac- x-ray and the mass inspection capability to see and to ensure that they're actually delivering for the consumer uh, exactly what they're paying for, no more, no less. So, you know, that is a, is a productivity improvement in terms of reducing product giveaway so that you're you're not giving away product that the customers are not that that they aren't paying for but at the same time you're giving them just the amount that they that they are paying for so you you save product you save money by doing that Uh, there's other features within uh, the system other inspection modes such as uh, void detection which is very popular uh, particularly in this type of environment where we actually are looking for voids in the product. And, and a void can be something that uh, would cause a non-conformance, say, at a retailer uh, or a customer that would return a product or so forth. You know, there's, there's other things other than just mitigating the, the risk of contaminant, uh, recalls and things like that that you can use the technology for to help bring in a, a fast and, and positive return on investment. So would you say that the system is relatively easy to use and maintain? Will the smaller companies be able to handle it and incorporate it without much trouble? Yeah. So, you know, one of the challenges has always been, uh, particularly when you look at environments such as the dairy industry where where you are washing it down and you're doing a lot, you know, you're doing regular cleaning and sanitizing is, is making whatever technology it is survive the environment, right? So hardening the technology so that 
so that it does not become a maintenance issue or a, or a line issue within the environment. You know, the, the machine is designed for unattended operation. It is designed to be able to withstand the environment that it's put into, which is high moisture, high washdown, ruggedized environment that uh, requires not only the ability to uh, be survivable, but the ability to be cleaned in that environment and, and, and cleaned in a very quick and expeditious manner so that you can do the sanitation and get back up and running in a very short period of time. And all those things wrap into a, what we consider to be an extremely robust product uh, designed for the environment, designed for ease of operation, but also for quick sanitation, quick cleaning cycles, so that the customer can spend more time making product instead of instead of working on uh, keeping their line clean. So, you know, from that perspective, very easy uh, to operate. Simultask itself, the user interface is very simple, has auto-learn capabilities. You can do automatic product changeovers and things like that if it's connected to a PLC. You know, we spent a lot of our efforts here at Eagle to make sure that uh, whatever products that we are producing, that, that they are very, again, tailored towards the industry and towards the environment that they're going into. Uh, while many companies that are out there in, in this realm may have, uh, you might say, the kind of the one-size-fits-all, you'll find in our portfolio we are, have very much segment-driven uh, solutions. It's a little bit tougher because it requires you to be, be much more focused, but we believe that it really pays off for our customers in the long run. You know, it, it's something that I think that we do a very good job of kind of going the extra mile for the customer on. Uh, it also means that uh, you know, we do not typically have a, a one-size-fits-all offering like a lot of folks do. And now it's time for our weekly look at the global dairy markets with INTLFC Stone's Liam Fenton. We saw butter lower again uh, this week in futures, down by about 100 euros a tonne overall. Quarter three last week closed at the 41.25 level, but this week was closer to 40.25. Quarter four last week was at the 4200 level, but it's closer to 41.25 level uh, by the end of the week. Despite it being a big European holiday Thursday and Friday, interests have remained relatively active um, and weather has been relatively benign for grass growth with a good mix of moisture and comfortable temperatures. Uh, skim milk powder, while relatively active this week, also given the holiday, has continued to remain stable price-wise. Quarter three still hovering around the 2175 level and quarter four around the 2200 level. Non-fat in the States though has continued to, to wane this week. Way in European futures has been trading around the 760 level, similar to last week. In the US, though, it seems to have recovered a lot of the ground it lost uh, due to the African swine in the previous uh, couple of weeks. So that might lend support as well to the European uh, futures market over the coming weeks. We shall see. Thanks, Liam. We'll talk to you again next week. INTL FC Stone provides risk management and margin hedging programs and services, as well as OTC hedging tool and M&A advisory services to the global dairy industry. And that just about does it for this show. As I mentioned earlier, next week we'll have some interviews from the Free From Expo in Barcelona and maybe more. 
just trying to build up the suspense a bit and get you to listen. So we'll catch up with you again next week. And as always, thanks for listening.